Well, I am uh, going to continue on in this series that we started last weekend. It's called Beyond Blessed. If you missed it, um, this is a six-week series that we're doing, and so I'd really encourage you to go back and watch that, that message. It really was a foundation message for, for where we're going to be going together over the next five weeks. And so uh, make sure, if you haven't seen that, you check out on our website that sermon that J.O. preached. And uh, we also just want you to know, everything that we preach is always, of course, based out of the scriptures and God's word. Uh, but this particular series is also uh, lightly based off of the book called Beyond Blessed by Robert Morris. We've done these sort of things in the past, and it's fun to uh, sort of let a, a book guide us, especially because then people can buy the book, uh, paper, or audible, or whatever, and kind of follow along, and it, and it gives us something to huddle around. So if you're interested in getting the book, you can, you can buy that, or you could buy it at Bridges. I think we're just selling it for the cost of whatever we bought it for. It's not necessary for the series, $13. $13, so it's not necessary, but if you want to uh, read along with us, then, then you can pick that up, and it's, a, it's a definitely an amazing book. We've been reading it together. So uh, last week was a foundation uh, about the series, which is not just for the record a series about giving money to the church. It's really a series about stewardship and how we can be more healthy financially and if you look at the, st the statistics and what's going on uh, around the world and in our nation, both in the secular world and even in the church, the fact of the matter is that many people struggle with finances. And um, the, we've probably, the, I don't know if the world's ever seen more, more blessing and material wealth, and yet at the same time, so much debt, so much unhealth. I read a couple studies this week that said uh, that like 35% of a, the adult population in America would be in trouble if there was a $400 uh, expense that showed up in their life, whether a car or an injury or something, $400, and then 35% the of us would be in trouble. And so I don't know where you feel like you're at um, in, the, in the financial sense, but money's such an interesting topic because... Some people talk about it a lot. Some people think about it a lot. Uh, sometimes in the church, we don't talk about it so much because we're not trying to send the message that we're all about it. But in its very essence, money is neither moral nor immoral. Right? Money is, is just a thing. And yet it affects almost every area of our life. We should be talking about it, but we need to talk about it in the right way because money is not good nor evil. It's what is, how we view it, how we use it, what we do with it, what motivates us through it. And so this why it's so important for us to, to discuss it. And we're doing this whole series because we want to see our friends healthy. We want to see ourselves healthy and our friends healthy. And so we hope that you guys can um, get, get something out of each message and as we go through this thing. So today I want to focus on a... Uh, uh, sort of a, a specific aspect, and you'll see where I'm going in a second, but you know that um, sometimes your perspective of something can change everything, right? If, can you put up that one slide, that one word? <clears throat> I just want you to look at this word. There it is. What does that word say? Right. Perspective is everything. Right? I mean, perspective changes the meaning of that 
perspective is so important because our perspective or the lens through which we view certain subjects, uh, what we believe about something, we're people of faith. So for us, it's what we believe that drives what we do. And so our perspective in every area of our life, but especially in regards to finances, our perspective of it is very, very important to make sure that we're, we're stewarding not just what we have, but we're stewarding even our perspective. Let me ask you a, a question. Raise your hand if you're wealthy. <laughs> I knew that would be an awkward question. And I, I debated whether to ask it or not, but here's the thing, watch this, watch this. That question actually told me absolutely nothing about how much money you have or don't have. That question, me asking that question told me a lot more about your perspective. And now I, I would have done what most of you did, which is even if you think you're wealthy, why would you raise your hand? That's awkward, right? I get that. But even if there was no, if it wasn't inappropriate, if it wasn't awkward or whatever, the reality of the matter is, is that almost everybody in this room is actually wealthy. Like if you look at it in the perspective of the entire world, almost every single one of us is extremely, extremely wealthy. But it's all based on perspective. Probably most of us in this room wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm wealthy, just because it's probably inappropriate to say that. But actually, even if it wasn't because you don't actually think you are, based on your perspective. Right? The, the whole world, the, the average gross per capita income of the whole world, the average is $2,900 a year. That's about $7 a day. And they say that half of the world lives on 550 or less a day. So if you live on more than that, then you might be considered in the eyes of the world or history to be wealthy. And so I just wanted to, to uh, like paint the picture of perspective, just set the stage of perspective as, as we begin to look at a, a specific subject today. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter four. I wanna talk about finances through the lens of perspective. This is a very, very well-known passage, um, in particular one verse that 18-year-old teenagers, when they really come to follow Jesus, tattoo on their back. We're gonna start with Philippians chapter four, verse 10. It's so cliche. You'll see what the verse is in a second. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi from jail. He says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm speaking about being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm in, notice the perspective, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in, I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 
Now here's that verse that you tattoo on your back if you want to learn how to dunk the basketball. <laughs> I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know that verse, right? It's, it's, not, it's not actually a verse about uh, getting God to do for us whatever we want. It's a, it's a faith statement saying that in whatever circumstance I am in, I know I can do it because Christ is with me. So let's pray together and then let's uh, jump into the, the subject tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your heart for your people. We thank you for our, our new brothers and sisters that gave their life to you tonight, that they're, they're in your family, they're in our family. We thank you that you care for us in our world in every way, our families, uh, jobs, school, that you care about our finances, you care about providing for your people. And so we ask that you give us wisdom and perspective on your truth tonight, that we can walk out of this, this room, uh, walking this life the way that you designed us to walk, with the heart, with the faith, and the actions that you created us for. We commit ourselves to you, our hearts and our minds to you, in Jesus' name, amen. So, What's the tension in this text? Uh, there, there's a lot of tension in this text. If, if, you, if you were actually there, I think that you would feel the tension. I think that I would feel the tension of what's going on in this text. We, we've just kind of read the Bible for so long that it's easy to just read through things and just take it for granted and just, oh, you know, I've heard this story before, but... Like, let's just, for a moment together, really jump into what would have been going on in this situation. If you don't maybe know the story of this guy, the Apostle Paul that wrote this, let me just paint the, the picture of his life for you for just a moment. He, he's self-proclaimed as one of the most successful people in the Jewish system of education. Earlier in the same book, he, he proclaimed that, hey, at one point in time, I was one of the most well-trained. I was one of the most legalistic in regards to the law. I was so zealous for God, I was at the top of my class. In the book of Acts, he describes that he studied under one of the leading, uh, the leading uh, uh, rabbis of the time, he was, he was absolutely excelling over all of his peers in the religious system of the day. And then one day when he was on his way because his perspective of people like me and you was that we were being blasphemous towards his God, that we were drawing people away from the real faith, that was his perspective. And so he went towards Damascus to take people to prison like, me, like you and I. And on his way to Damascus, you might know the story, he was knocked off his horse by Jesus himself, a shining bright light, and he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. And so in a moment, his entire perspective changed. He devoted his entire life to serving this Jesus whom up to that point he was persecuting through persecuting God's people. And so everything changed. Even the people in his world didn't believe that he was really saved. Kind of like Kanye West, am I right? Can I get an amen? Like, is he really saved? I don't know if I could believe this. It's true. And so they looked at him and they said, I don't know if I can. 
And God said to Ananias, no, go, because this man is my chosen instrument to take my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and all of Israel. This was his commission. And so Paul's perspective he took on was that he was gonna lay down his life to share the gospel with everybody that he could come in contact with. And that's what he did. And he went all over the place preaching the gospel, leading people to Christ, planting churches, raising up leaders. This is what he did because his perspective was that God was worth it. Now, it's amazing when I, think about, when I think about struggle and blessing, if you know anything about Paul's life and the position, the amazing life that he had, you would also know that in spite of his, his great education, his great call, his position in history as we know it, he went through some tr- tremendous struggles. I'll just read you a few of them. He says, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, for we were utterly Burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death in our bodies. In another place, he says, five times I was whipped by the Jews 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, I'm I'm in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own countrymen, and danger from the Gentiles. I'm in danger in the city. I'm in danger in the wilderness. I'm in danger at sea. And I'm in danger from the false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and in exposure. And apart from all these things, I have the daily pressure on me of my my anxiety for the churches. This is the type of suffering that he went through, and yet, listen to his perspective. The same book, he writes this. But we have this treasure, treasure, not talking about money, We have this treasure in jars of clay that is frail vessels to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way. Now listen to the perspective, but not crushed. We're perplexed, reality, but listen to the perspective, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but perspective, we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying in our body the death of Jesus Christ so that, perspective, so that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh for your sake. It's all about perspective. He's talking about these great struggles that if you and I went through, I think we would probably be really in turmoil in our hearts trying to deal with it. God, where are you? The preacher told me I was gonna be blessed. The preacher told me I was gonna be beyond blessed. What's this life that I have? Struggle, persecution, beatings, torture. But his perspective, he said his life to preach the gospel. Well, I wanna read one more kind of unique passage. Remember, I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm, I'm setting the stage for why he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. 
There's this passage in Acts 16 that's just crazy because we know and Paul knew that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and preach the gospel to every creature and that's exactly what he did. When Jesus met him on the road, he gave him his life and he said, I'm gonna preach everywhere to every person that you put in front of me. And yet in Acts chapter 16, this is what happened. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Watch this. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. This is a crazy, crazy text that actually the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit stopped them from going somewhere to preach the gospel. That really takes some perspective on listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to get that right. Okay, so, so his perspective on life is, I'm gonna preach everywhere I go, and, I, and I'm, we're going somewhere, we're going to Asia, but the Holy Spirit says no. And so you have to stop for a second and be like, am I really hearing that right? And this is what happened. Then in a vision that Paul had at night, a man from Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul saw the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes God has to close one door, not because he's trying to punish you, but because he needs you to see the door that you weren't looking for to walk through, because, you see what I'm saying? So he closed the door to Asia. It would have not been obvious, but he closed the door to Asia because he was calling into Macedonia. So he goes, they got up, they went to Macedonia, which is where Philippi was. They eventually ended up in Philippi. They led some people to the Lord and they started the church, okay? That's how this church got started. That's how this relationship began. That's why he ever wrote this letter in the first place is because he was following God and he had such a perspective to say that whatever it is that you lead me to by your Holy Spirit, I will obey, I will follow, and that's why this letter even exists because this church was planted when the Holy Spirit shut one door and he obeyed and he went to Philippi and he planted the church there. So then we have this letter that is just four, uh, four chapters but it's full of joy. It's absolutely a book that's full of joy. I think five times it uses the word joy and seven times it's there, there's, a, there's an invitation to rejoice about something. He's in prison while he's writing this and yet his perspective of the situation is this. I'm rejoicing that I'm in jail right now because I'm convinced that even my presence in jail is leading most of the people in the palace guard to see Jesus rightly and even the brothers outside of jail to preach the gospel with more confidence. It's all about perspective. And he's writing, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I was, I was such an amazing person and yet I consider all of that garbage in order to follow Jesus. And it leads us all the way up here into chapter four where he's in prison and he writes to them, I thank you so much, I rejoice so much that you've renewed your concern for me because they sent financial help to him. And then he makes these statements. I know what it is to be well-fed. I know what it is to go hungry. I've experienced what life is like living in abundance, and I've experienced what life is like living with nothing. And I am convinced that whether I live with much or I live with little, it doesn't really matter 
because I'm content. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, for the purposes of this sermon series, I want to, in particular, note to you that he does not in any way, nor will you uh, see in many places in Scripture, that he's, he's making an argument that either living in abundance or living well-fed is inherently uh, holy or evil. Nor does he make the argument that if you are poor, that you're more holy or that you're, you're, that you're less holy. He's simply saying that he has experienced both realities, little and much, and in his perspective, he's learned to live in either situation. And so tonight, I really want to address how we view finances, generally speaking. And I want to look at three things that we uh, have in our life and uh, amongst other things, I want to invite you to consider your perspective of these three things. The first is your perspective of your provider. That's God. What is your perspective of your provider? Your perspective of your possessions. That's all the material things that you have, whether it's money, whether it's stuff, cars, houses, whatever it is that you have or don't have. What's your perspective? And your perspective of your pursuit what you're going after in this life. So um, Robert does a, a great job of, of sort of laying out this analogy in his book. He talks about in Bolivia, this um, road called the Spanish word for road, de morte. It means road of death. It's this road in Bolivia that is like high up in the hills. And I don't know why they don't just rip this road out because every single year, an average of 200 people die on that road every year. It's like, uh, after like the first 200, you should probably just take the road out. But it's this road that scales this like high, and it's just cliffs straight down on either side. And there's like no guardrails and people just fall off and die every year. And Robert says, that our perspective of God and our possessions, our perspective of biblical stewardship is kind of like that road. There's, there's the possibility of death on either side, not just on one side. He says, he says uh, when Jesus talks about, well, I'll read it for you. You know that passage where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for he will either love one and hate the other or serve one and despise the other. And then it says this, you've heard this before, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and, some of your versions say money, some of your versions say mammon. Um, the word is actually mammon and it's, it's actually really important that we understand that scripture because, put it like this, there are two other Greek words used for, to, to refer to money or finances, and the word argurion occurs 21 times in the New Testament, it means silver, uh, money in general, or coins, and the word plautos occurs 22 times in the New Testament, and it simply refers to riches in general. 
But in this particular verse that Jesus uh, is speaking, he doesn't use, use either of those two words that, are, that were far more abundantly used in the New Testament. He specifically chooses to use the word mammon. Why? Because mammon was actually a false god. That's the name of a pagan god of the Chaldeans. That is like an actual idol that they would worship. It's the name of a god that they would look to and they would worship for provision. It's the God of riches and the God of money. But the word simply doesn't just mean money. It, he, he would have known, the people hearing him would have known what he was talking about. That he was, he was saying, you cannot serve both God and the either demonic force or false God or idol of mammon. And so what Robert in his book points out is that mammon is a demonic spirit that is trying to get us to put so much emphasis, really, not on God himself, but either onto our possessions and how much we have, or the lack of possessions and putting us in a state where we're always desiring to have them. And like the road of death, we are walking and have the potential of falling on either side. Either we, got, we get caught so much in uh, keeping up with the Joneses and, and having wealth and having things and having stuff and we're always thinking about do I have more than everybody else? Do I have the, the cars and do I have the money? Do I have all that? Or we find ourselves in a position where uh, we, we don't have and we're, and we're lacking and then we're constantly thinking about that and worrying about, worrying about the lack that we live in that, that, that also removes our eyes from, from on God. And so both positions to be in would be negative. And so uh, let's just walk through these th three things really quickly. What's our perspective of our provider? Now, you've heard it before. Some people preach what's called the prosperity gospel, okay? Prosperity preachers. I'm not gonna name any of them. But it's, you know, it's people that you just listen to and it just, it just, it's just all about money. It's all about blessings. And you, and you get the sense that when, they're, when they use that word blessing, that what they're referring to is material possessions, financial possessions, growth, uh, uh, the accumulation of things in the same way that the world accumulates things, Okay. If there's no difference in the way that the church and people of faith operate than the way that the world operates, then there's probably something off. So what we believe is that God absolutely wants to bless us. We just have a de different definition of blessing, right? So there's, there's these prosperity preachers that basically will say that, that God wants you to be wealthy financially and that if you give money, that it will, it will be given back to you. You know, give so you can get and, and it's all about, and, and so it's so much about focusing on the wealth. And then there's another side of the spectrum which isn't as common in our culture, but it's the spirit of asceticism, it's the spirit of poverty, it's the spirit that says that, that God wants everybody to be poor, that, that, that you shouldn't have anything, that you should feel guilty if you have been blessed with wealth, that, that you should feel guilty if you have a good job, that you should be embarrassed about the money that you have, that in fact, it's of higher moral standard if you don't have wealth, and this is the, this is the opposite side of the cliff. In fact, I remember being in that place in college. There was a point in time when I was in college where I legitimately would only wear clothes that I bought at a thrift store. And I, I'm like, in that moment in time, I didn't know it, but I was the perfect example of a Pharisee on this side. 
because I was so proud of the fact that I was only wearing thrift store clothes that it almost, I almost in pride elevated myself above anybody that had anything of value at all. And I remember my small group, thank the Lord for small groups, am I right? If you're not in a city group, you should get in a city group. Man, I've been in city groups since, since I came to Jesus, I've been in city groups because I need people speaking into my life. My city group leader, it wasn't called city group then, but my small group leader, he looked at me and he said, you know, Craig, I appreciate that you are, you know, trying to declutter your world, but I've tried being poor and it's not all that it's cracked up to be. But this is, what he, this, is the, this is the really important part of it. He said, not because you should desire to be wealthy so you could be blessed yourself. It's because God's kingdom and his church needs finances. And if every single Christian is dirt poor and always asking other people for money, how are we gonna be the people that bless the world like we're supposed to? And I was like, oh, that's a rebuke. Now I still shop at thrift stores because it's cool, but... Point is, when, we, when our perspective of God, remember, right now I'm talking about, what's your perspective of, of, of your provider? Is our perspective of him that he doesn't want to care for you? That, oh, God, you're never going to provide for me. You just want me to have nothing. You just want me to be poor. That's going to get our heart of faith to look at him in a certain way. Whereas if our perspective of God is that all he wants to do is just give us, give us, give us financially, make us, you know, fat, dumb, and happy, then that's also going to give us a perspective of God that's going to possibly be equally as negative. God is not a, 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 a poverty God, and he's not necessarily a, a prosperity God. Who God is, is a, a provision God. He, he promises us that he will provide for us exactly what we need. Right, and so when Paul says, whether I'm in this situation right now, maybe later in life I'll be in this situation, maybe I'm in this situation and something happens and I find myself in this situation, what it doesn't say to my heart is, oh, God God has dropped you, God has left you, or that God is either blessing you or one, like, God is still with us no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in if, our, if, our, if he has a heart. So we need to steward our perspective of him. Not just steward our possessions. We need, to, we need to take care. We need to take mind of the perspective that we have of him, how we view him. The second thing is this. We need to steward our possessions and our perspective of our possessions. You know, do you have things or do your things have you? You've heard that said before. If your things have you, and you're, you're always concerned with money and things and, and, and your, your perspective of your material wealth is so abundant that it's, it's more important than the things that God has called you to or your intimate relationship with him, then it's probably very unhealthy. But if you're, you know, likewise, if your perspective, if you're on maybe this side, this, your situation right now is maybe you're lacking uh, and, and, and it's, it's really hard, and so you're focused on paying the bills and all those things. I would just encourage you, even in this state, first of all, it doesn't mean that God is any more or less for you or that, you know, you've done something wrong. It, it means, I'm just saying, continue to trust him. He, he will provide for you. And I know that it's hard. Many of us have been there. I've been there when it's tough to know when the next uh, 
how the bill is gonna be paid and all those things. But if we're not careful, we can be in a state of, of lacking and we're so focused on those things that we don't continue to fight in faith to focus on him, the provider of the things. And the last thing would be this, what's our perspective of our pursuit in this life? Are we, are we pursuing more and higher levels and more zeros in our bank account? And are we so caught up in that that that's totally consuming our, our, uh, our life? Or are, are you on the side where like me in, in college, I was like, I don't, people with money are evil. I didn't, you know, that's, that, was, that was my opinion. If you had money, you, you're evil. That's just not true, right? So if we're, if we're sitting here and our pursuit in life is, no, I don't intend, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want anything. I don't, you know, I say, hey, that's a, in a sense, a really great place to be. Just say, I'm totally trusting the Lord. St. Francis of Assisi did that. He renounced, he renounced wealth for the purpose of saying, I, I wanna dedicate my life to trusting in the Lord. Some people have done that. But again, some of us have to pursue gain so that we can give it back. God made a promise to Abraham that he would be blessed in order to be a blessing. To go from being blessed to being a blessing takes perspective. There are many, many people that aren't blessed in the financial sense. There's many, many people that are very, very blessed in the financial sense. But the perspective and the heart in either camp has everything to do with how it will play out in our life. There are people that don't have very much at all and they're some of the most generous people that I know. And there are some, of, some people in this world that have so far beyond so much more than anybody ever probably really should ever have. And they're some of the most stingy people. It's all about perspective. And it, and it boils down to, again, what Jay was preaching last week. Are we walking on the road of stewardship, saying, God, whether my circumstances have me over here or my circumstances have me over here, or I'm, I'm yours, every dollar I have is yours, every car I have is yours, every house that I have is yours, every room in every house I have is yours, every relationship that I have is yours, every word that comes out of my mouth is yours. If you tell me not to go to Asia, then I'm gonna go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. If you tell me not to go to Asia on vacation, then I'm gonna give somebody else the money to go on vacation to Asia. I mean, I don't, whatever it is. like. We're stewards, not just of the possessions that we have and the money in our checking account, but we're stewards of the faith. We're stewards of what we believe about God and what we believe about money and what we believe about our possessions. So we need to keep watch over that. And so I just wanna close with this. How are you stewarding your perspective of God? When you think about God, do you think of a loving father that wants to take care of his child? Or do you think of God as a, as a stingy God that's trying to keep good from you 
or do you think of a God as somebody that, you know, you can use like a supernatural Santa Claus just to get more stuff? How are you keeping watch on your attitude about your possessions? How are you stewarding your perspective of your possessions? When you get a paycheck, do you, do you believe that it's yours? Or is your perspective truly, God, this is, this is all yours. Everything in my life is yours. What's your perspective? And how are you keeping watch over the things that you pursue or what you don't pursue? It's not a prosperity gospel, but it's also not a poverty gospel. It's a provision gospel. We have a God who loves to provide and his promise to us is that he will provide when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's his promise to us. You know, the rich young ruler, sometimes we say, well, you know, we exegete that scripture and think, well, he had money, therefore that's, that was his problem. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. And then he told him to go do three things. He said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. He only lacked one thing. The one thing that he was lacking was that he wasn't able to follow Jesus because of his possessions. That was the one thing. And so God's commandment to him was, you need to, you need to rid yourself of those possessions. I think that the, the message of the scripture all throughout is not, if you have possessions, then you can't follow Jesus, or if you don't have possessions, you can't. The, the message of the gospel is this. If there's anything in your life, be it material or otherwise, anything in your world that is stopping you from the one singular most important thing, following Jesus, you need to get rid of it. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I just wanna pray tonight. We're not gonna do the prayer team up front. I just wanna pray with you right where you're at. you just bow your head and just close your eyes for a moment I just, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to um, just speak to you, continue to speak to you and I don't know, maybe do some healing or maybe just do some tweaking your attitude or your perspective probably like most of us it's not like we're either just you know wrong or right it's that with every passing day we need little little tweaks and little adjustments and little corrections I mean we're probably all in the same boat we get caught up in an attitude or we're caught up in a pursuit or caught up in a spirit and then we need Jesus to just be like oh let me just let me just tweak that a little bit let me just tweak your perspective a little bit let me tweak your heart because he's he's most concerned with our heart and so I just want to pray over these three areas, and, and you can just kind of opt in in your own heart. God knows your heart, and so I want to pray for 
our perspective of him as our provider. I want to pray for our perspective of our, our, our possessions, whether we're uh, chasing after them or just loving them or whether we're using them for his glory and his kingdom. I want to pray for our perspectives, our heart of what, what we're pursuing in this world. So if you would just pray with me. Lord, I thank you for what you're desiring to do in this series as we look to your word for wisdom in regards to finances, in regards to stewardship, in regards to wealth, in regards to provision. We ask that through your written word and through your Holy Spirit that you'd speak to us godly wisdom, that you speak to us encouragement when we're struggling, encouragement when we, uh, when we just don't know how it's going to work, encouragement when we, don't, we just don't feel like maybe we can trust you. God, that you would put faith in us. Lord, first, I just want to pray for all those in this room or maybe online that are resonating with this, this thought of how am I viewing you? What's my perspective of you? Do I distrust you? Do I, do I question whether you're really for me or against me, whether you're really providing for me? Lord, I just pray for those hearts that are struggling because maybe they are in a time of hunger or they are in a time of lacking. Maybe the parent is just trying to provide for, for their kids and just wondering, I'm working three jobs and God, that person that's crying out to you saying, God, are you providing? Or would you encourage their heart? Would you ensure them that you, that you are for them, that you are a good, good father? And Lord, would you provide exactly what they need? For those of us maybe in the room or in our society that are caught up in this, this prosperity gospel that's, that's just unhealthy, that's just making you all about money, making you like a Santa Claus, Lord, would you heal us of that attitude? you give us the right perspective of who you are for those of us in this room that maybe are off just need a little tweak on our perspective of our stuff maybe maybe it's been controlling us or we don't we don't want to let go we don't hold our things with an open hand lord for those that feel like in their heart that they've identified with that that you would just bring healing in that area that you bring a, maybe a little tweak to our way of thinking or a tweak to our heart and help us to to view our our possessions in the right perspective. And Lord, for all of us, as we, we walk through this life, we're pursuing something. Many of us have to work and, and we, we need to earn a wage and provide for our family and all of those things. Lord, as we pursue whatever it is that we pursue, would you help us to pursue things rightly? Not just in our action, but, but in our motivation, in our heart. Lord, I pray that as you bless your people, as you bless us, that we would genuinely in our heart have a desire to be a blessing to other people. Whether it's to do with money or our time or our service, sacrifice, we recognize, God, that we are simply stewards of the breath in our lungs and everything that you've given us. So would you speak to us, just like you spoke through the Spirit to Paul? Would you tell us when you want a, a door to close and us to walk through another door, when you want us to give, when you want us to, whatever it is, we surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.